Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In that land, it emphasized it was on that borrowed land. He didn't even own that land that he got all this bumper crop. Verse 12 tells us in the same year, emphasizing this the year of the great famine, everybody else can barely eke out enough food to stay alive, and Isaac's crops goes a hundredfold. You know, not 10 bushels of, of corn, a thousand bushels of corn. Or if you're thinking terms like I do of bales of hay, you know, not a hundred bales of hay, 10,000 bales of hay. That's a lot of hay. So this picture that we've got here, this fifth picture of Isaac, is um, really emphasized to us in these verses 13 through 14. The man waxed great. He went forward. He grew until he became very great. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great store of servants. See the grain here? That was the bottleneck that God removed. And once that was taken out, then the grain came, and then all of a sudden these scrawny animals, they got fat on the grain, and they put on weight, and their coats got shiny, and the babies inside got fatter, and the mother's milk was richer, and the babies grew faster and fatter, and then, of course, more help was needed, and the help was paid in the grain, and then the livestock, until he reached the state that's described in verse 14. He had possessions of flocks and herds, a great store. See, there's no question about it that Isaac was blessed by God, and all his wealth came from God. Now you look at verse 12 where it says, Isaac sowed in the land, and the word there to focus on is received. He received in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I see that word received. That word in Hebrew is the word matzah, which means found. It's the same word that's in verse 19 where it says, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. I don't know why the translators use this word received. Of the 458 times that this word matzah appears in the Bible, it's never used for received except for this place here. But they didn't ask me, so what can we do? So now, you look at verse 12 and 19, and there's this emphasis on this word matzah. It's found. In other words, God put the harvest there. God put the well there for Isaac, and he just found it. That's the fifth picture we have of Isaac, a man being blessed by God by finding what God put in his way. Now, we come to the sixth picture, which is seen in verses 14 through 21. In this picture, we have a picture of Isaac as being hated. Isaac is hated. Isaac has been seen as blessed by God. And with all that blessing, Isaac has been seen as God's man. Well, obviously, that's God's man. And the inhabitants hated God, so they hated Isaac. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ said what happened in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't think you're anything special because you're hated by the world. 1 John 3, 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. But for our encouragement, Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, shall reproach you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. He says you're blessed. And Isaac's house is blessed. In fact, Isaac's house, it sort of begins to look like a king's house. He's got all these riches. He's got these servants. As a matter of fact, it's kind of eclipsing the king's house, Abimelech's house. And so Isaac is envied. And envy talks about envy as being hatred. Proverbs 27, 4. Wrath is cruel. Anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? 
So first the Philistines, they hate Isaac's family. As we see in verse 15, they fill Abraham's dwells with dirt. They fill him up there. The Philistines had rather seen no flocks get watered from those wells than to see Isaac's flocks get watered with others as well. See, they wanted to see Isaac's flocks die for thirst. Now, the Philistines had entered into a covenant with Abraham. And they covenant with Abraham that they would never do something like this. That's what was given to us in Genesis 21, where it says there, 21, 23, Now therefore swear unto me here by God, they said, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness I have done unto thee. That's a joke. Thou shalt do unto me to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, well, I wot not who had done this thing. Neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it but today. And the same thing's happening. They could not be trusted to keep their covenant in that day. Okay, now, next we see them move from hating his family to hating his person. And that's in verse 16 where Abimelech says to Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than us. See, Abimelech's statement, go from us, reflects a real hatred of his person. They don't want him. It's so interesting for us in this sixth picture of Isaac because as we look at it here, we see Isaac is right. He's in the right and we see the Philistines are wrong. They're in the wrong. Because, and also, we kind of step back and look at it and say, you know, think about it. Talking about application to modern-day Israel. Isaac came to that land. It was a useless, rocky desert. And after Isaac came, and God gave to Isaac water and irrigation, that land was transformed. And then grain came and livestock came. That land was useless before Isaac came. And Isaac developed it by God's help. But... The Philistines would rather destroy that irrigation, destroy that water, see the land go back to the wasteland than to accept Isaac on that land. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) That's exactly the situation today in Israel. Israel, the country of Israel, before the Jewish people got there, it was a wasteland. It was worthless. And they transformed it through water and irrigation and went to one of the major suppliers of agriculture to uh, Europe. But the Arabs would rather see that land, that small piece of land, go back to being a wasteland and push the Jewish people into the Mediterranean. So we see here in the sixth picture of Isaac, he's hated. But Isaac's right, and the Philistines are wrong. And we also see that Isaac had might because of what Abimelech said in verse 16. Abimelech said to Isaac, go from us, thou art much, much mightier than we See, Abimelech said to Isaac, he wasn't just mightier than the Philistines. He said, you're much mightier than the Philistines. That meant that Isaac had the might through his servants to conquer the Philistines. But in this sixth picture of Isaac being hated, we don't see Isaac going to war with the Philistines. We don't see Isaac retaliating because they destroyed his wells. One of the worst mistakes I ever made in business was my response to an unfair situation. It was from an audit from one of our top customers, one of our largest customers overseas. And for whatever reason, we were so unfairly accused of one compliance violation after another. It was so unfair. We got to report that. And well, I decided to not just sit back. So we'll take that. So we put together, we assembled these large notebooks 
where we refuted, we restated the claim and we refuted and we had photographs and everything against all And then we put on the front of these notebooks in big red letters, setting the record straight. <laughs> this was a big mistake. And then we hand-delivered those notebooks. And anyways, that got us nowhere. But what we see here in the sixth picture of Isaac is that he had no retaliation. There was no retaliation. Isaac doesn't challenge them for violating his agreement, the agreement that they had with Abraham. He doesn't demand that they honor his right to remain there. He doesn't go to war with them. What we see in the sixth picture of Isaac is that he's hated, but he just peacefully moves on to less fruitful land. Verse 17, Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water that they had digged in the days of Abraham and so forth. In other words, rather than fight, Isaac just moves on. And the question that we naturally ask is, did he make the right decision? Was that the right choice for him? I mean, Isaac had the right and he had the power to enforce his right, but he decided not to. Did Isaac make the right decision to not stand up and enforce his rights? And God answers that question in verse 19, where we read, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Right after Isaac yields and does what the Lord Jesus Christ said to do in Luke 6, 29, Unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not, take thy coat also. Isaac's servants, right after he yields, Isaac's servants go out and find a well of springing water. In other words, Isaac's servants, they begin to dig this hole for the well, and the water just forces itself up through the hole. Maybe sprays them in the face. And it's called springing water. Literally in the Hebrew, ma'in chayim. In other words, it's water with life. Living water. It looks like the water's alive. And it was as if God was saying to Isaac, you did the right thing. That was the right thing. And don't be sad about leaving all those other wells because none of those other wells had living water. And if you had not been evicted from the land, you never would have found the living water. See, God was happy that Isaac didn't fight when he was mistreated. But Isaac followed the Lord Jesus Christ and said what to do. And he, didn't, he wasn't like the disciples of the Lord when the Lord was mistreated. They say, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? That would be good, don't you think? You can have some cinders right here for these people. You know? <laughs> That's what happened in Luke 9, 52. Where it says, And he sent messengers before his face. They went, entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him. Because his face as though he would go to Jerusalem. When his disciple James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven, consume them, as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They went to another village. We see how hated Isaac is because the Philistines were watching Isaac. When they saw the well of living water, they moved in on that. In verse 20, the herdmen of Gerar strove with Isaac's herdmen, saying, that water's ours. And he called the name of that well Essek, because they strove with him. See, now they want Isaac's special well of his living water. So does Isaac say, that's God's special well. He gave that to me because you stole my other wells. No, he just moves on. He yields that well also. But in this sixth picture of Isaac being hated, we can see that all this hatred is really starting to get under Isaac's skin. I mean, don't think that Isaac's just saying, oh, well, no, he's not. In verse 20, when he names this well Essek, which means striving or contention. See, he leaves the well of living water, and then he says, okay, then I'm going to name that well of living water contention. And then another well, in verse 21, he digs another well, and they strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. 
See, they fight over that well and this new well, and this time Isaac is really irritated, so he names this Sitna, which means Satan. In the Hebrew, it's Satan, which means adversary or enemy. In all these injustices, it's, it's, it's God is saying to Isaac, it's okay because I've got something better for you in these wells, but Isaac is getting irritated. So, so far we've got these six pictures we've seen in this photo album of Isaac. First picture, Isaac obeys God. Second picture, Isaac is in fear and weakness and he lies. Third picture, Isaac loves his wife. Fourth picture, Isaac is rebuked, he's embarrassed for his lie. Fifth picture, Isaac is blessed by God. Sixth picture, Isaac is hated. Now, we come to the seventh picture of Isaac in this album here. And the seventh picture is from verses 22 to 25, where we read, He removed from thence, digged another well, they strove not, called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, we shall be fruitful in the land. Went up from thence to Beersheba, the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am God of Abraham thy father, fear not, for I am with thee, I will bless thee, multiply thy seed. He built an altar there, called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent. See, Isaac digs another well, and the Philistines now leave him alone. And then Isaac makes a very important statement in verse 22. And his statement is in the name of this third well. And he says, for now the Lord has made room for us, we shall be fruitful for the land. See, verses 19 through 22, Isaac is digging three new wells. These are the wells that he digs. And in the seventh picture here of Isaac, we see him making a very significant turn in his life. And this turn is seen in the sequence of these three new wells that he digs. See, well Essek, which is verses 19 through 20, well Sitna, which is verse 21, and well Rehoboth, which is verse 22. See, these are the three new wells of Essek, Sitna, and Rehoboth. And they've got to be seen in sequence here for us to see what's happening to Isaac in this seventh picture. See, in the two verses which talk about the first of the new wells, in other words, verses 19 through 20, the well Essek, verse 21, these two wells, the well Sitna, verse 21. Who is Isaac focused on? Who is he focused on when he calls the first well Essek and he's striving, he calls the second well Sitna? Yeah, he's against the herdmen, his enemies. He's focused on that. And can you see the progression of his anger? I mean, in verse 20, he says, Essek. You know, he's a striving. You know, in verse 20, they argue. They take his well. He gets angry. He speaks to the thieves. And he says, name that well contention or striving. In verse 21, they take his next well. He gets really angry, and he calls them Satan. You're Satan, is what he does. In other words, verse 20, he says, you strive with me. Verse 21, he loses his temper, and he calls them Satan. In the first new well, Isaac has focused his irritation on the problems. This is the well that's being argued over. The second new well, Isaac has focused his irritation on the troublemakers when he calls them Satan. And this is part of the sixth picture of Isaac being hated. But the seventh picture of Isaac starts in verse 22 where he digs another new well and there's no fight. And then Isaac gives this third new well a wonderful name. He doesn't call it Satan. (laughs) Of Rehoboth, which in the Hebrew... Rechabot means uh, broad places, wide places. So with this name for the third new well, Isaac now does something that he's not done in naming the other two wells. In naming this new well in verse 22, who's Isaac focused on? On God, right? He's focused on God. Isaac has turned his focus to God when he said in verse 22, Now, for now, the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful. We see in this name, Rehoboth, that Isaac has chosen for his third new well that he's dug here a great turning. 
See, the name Rehoboth that Isaac has chosen, we see him turning from his enemies to God. We see him turning from his enemies to God in humility because Isaac was a mighty man. He could have conquered those Philistines, but in the name that he chose for his third well, we see him not fighting to make room for himself, but we see him waiting on God to make room for him. We see in this name Rehoboth that Isaac chose for this third new well, we see him turning from his enemies to God as his hope. Because Isaac now hopes in God to make room for him instead of of hoping in his might to make room for himself. So we look at these three names here of these three new wells that he's dug, Essex, Striving, Sitna, Satan, and Rehoboth, broad places. And then we can look at them, we ask ourselves the question, what name have we given to the well in our lives? I mean, are we in our lives focused on our problems? All we see is our problems. It's Essex, Essex, Essex. It's all about striving and contentions. And our problems have pushed us away from happiness. Are we in our lives focused on our enemies? Name our well Sitna, Satan, because all we see is people we're angry with who's pushed us away from happiness. Or are we focused on God? And we name the well in our lives Rehoboth because in humility we wait on God to make room for us. We're focused on God. Now Isaac has turned to God and he comes now in verse 23 and moves to Beersheba. And as Isaac now moves up to Beersheba, Isaac is weary and he's fearful. And we see something wonderful in verse 24 as God meets Isaac in his weariness and his fearfulness. It says, The Lord appeared unto him that same night and said, I am God, the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, will bless thee, will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. See, God comforts Isaac by repeating this blessing, the greatest blessing that Isaac could possibly have, which are those words, I am with thee. See, that meant so much to Isaac just to have God with him in his life. Those words meant so much for Isaac. Imagine for God to say to Isaac, I am with you in your life. Let me illustrate this, you know, how how much this means to Isaac to hear God say, I told you last time that I was going to go to Disneyland with my son David and and two grandkids. Eight-year-old Grace, six-year-old Grant. We went to Disneyland. I don't pair up well with daring Grace as much as I do with cautious Grant. And Grant and I were just on the same page. I mean, I can ask Grace, is that a scary ride? Oh, no. She says, no. Grant, is that a scary ride? He goes, yes. But when Grant says, I said, now, is that a scary ride? And he shakes his head vehemently and says, no, no, no. Then I know it's not a scary ride. He's very cautious, see. And so Grant and I were cautious. And so, you know, we were on Tom Sawyer's Island and started in this cave and heard a scary voice. We were the only two that turned around from the line and walked back against traffic to leave. You know, the scariest thing happened at Disneyland. What do you think would be the scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland? We lost Grant. And we turned around, and he was gone for all of 30 long minutes. And I asked him what happened, and he told me, he said he just started crying, and a lady came up to him, and he said, and then I was more scared because I thought she was going to kidnap me, and she brought him to security. And then Grant told the security man the only phone number that he'd memorized, which was David's wife Jeanette's cell phone number. And actually, losing Grant was not the scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland. The scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland is when Jeanette called David (laughs) and told him that he had lost Grant (laughs) and he was found and where he could go get him. (laughs) Well, anyways, apart from that, (laughs) we had a wonderful time. (laughs) Grant had a wonderful time. And I told you how he studied the map at Disneyland the week before, and he watched all the YouTube videos of the Disneyland ride. So all through the day, I'd ask Grant, you know, where are we now, and where are we going? And, and he'd come alive, 
because I was in his world. And he would say, oh, we're in fantasy land. You see that castle over there? That means we're in fantasy land. We just had a great time. When we came to Autotopia, I asked Grant, I said, Grant, can I ride with you in the car? And he looks at me and says, well, you're pretty fat. (laughs) But I think we could fit. (laughs) Now, I got to tell you, I don't like Disneyland. If I never go to Disneyland again, that would be fine. I would never choose to go to Disneyland. I went to Disneyland 60 years ago on July 17, 1955, when I was four years old, on opening day. And I remember how crowded it was then, and it was just the same. Those crowded, claustrophobic, especially some of those lines underground, and oh, man, head-jarring, jerking roller coaster rides, assaulting music, using skeletons, death, and the devil to scare people. I don't like Disneyland. But I love to be with my grandkids, and I'll go to Disneyland with them. And being with Grand at Disneyland was like coming into his world. And it was a world that he was thrilled to show me around. And he knew all about it. Me going to Disneyland was like, was like going into Grant's world, and he loved it. And at the end of the day, around 8.30 at night, when they dropped me off at home, and Grant came in the house because he was thirsty, wanted some water. And then he was leaving, and I was standing by the front door saying, okay, goodbye. And Grant starts walking down the front walkway from the door. And all of a sudden, he stops halfway down the rock walkway there, and he strangely turns around. And I thought to myself, well, what did he forget in the house? But he stopped, and he comes back up to me, and he says, Grandpa? And I said, yeah. And he says, thank you for coming to Disneyland today. And then he turned around and went home. And as he was walking down there, I was thinking about that. What happened? You know, his little heart gets overflowed with gratitude halfway down the walkway, and he can't go on any longer because something is missing from the day. So he has to stop. He has to walk back and tell me thank you halfway down the walkway. I'm going to put a marker there, halfway down our walkway. Remind me what Grant did. You know, I'm going to put a Bible verse, Luke 17, 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And that's going to be a reminder to remind me what Grant did halfway down the walkway, because that's what I need to do in my life. You know, last week, where are you, Shauna? There you are. Shauna put on her Facebook, if you don't know how to pray, start the day by saying please and end the day by saying thank you. See? See, when Grant said thank you, that made my heart feel so good. And after that, I was thinking about what happened halfway down the walkway and the whole day. I hate Disneyland. I would never chose to choose to go to Disneyland, but because Grant was at Disneyland, I was no place else I wanted to be except at Disneyland. In verse 24, when God said to Jacob, fear not, I am with thee. See, the impact of that in verse 24 is, I am with thee, is that the holy God hated to be in the sinful world, and he would never choose to be in the sinful world, but because Isaac was in that sinful world, there's no place that God wanted to be except with Isaac in that sinful world. Because you and I are in this sinful world, there's no place that God wants to be other than with us in this sinful world. What made Grant so happy? was to realize I entered into his world. And I went on the rides that he wanted to go on and and walked where he wanted to go. And, And what makes us so happy is when we, like Grant, we realize that the Lord Jesus Christ has entered into our world and he goes where we go just to be with us. I not only look fat to Grant, I'm sure I look pretty busy to him also. And he thought about, I spent the whole day with him. I spent the whole day with him. And so halfway down the walkway, Grant could not contain his appreciation, and he's got to turn back and say to me, thank you for coming to Disneyland with me today. Now, question for us, aren't you and I about halfway down the walkway? 
Aren't we about there where it's time for us to turn back and to say thank you for coming into our world? Thank you for going where we are just to be with us. Like Shauna, every night at the end of the day, isn't that a good halfway down the walkway point to turn around to God and just tell Him how much we appreciate Him? That's our halfway down the walkway at the end of the day. Seeing each day as not complete. I can't go on anymore in this day until I turn back and say thank you. And Isaac thought about those words that God told him in verse 24 when he said, I am with thee. And so we come in verse 25, which is where Isaac got about halfway down his walkway, and he felt this overflow of appreciation and gratitude, and he does something there. He builds an altar. He says in verse 20, he built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there. See, that's where Isaac decided to live. He decided to live halfway down the walkway. He pitched his tent there. And when it says that, he pitched his tent there, Isaac was saying, I want to live here. I want to live in this place where I'm going to give thanks to God all the time. And the message for us isn't that it's a question of don't let this opportunity pass. Like Grant, he was there and he said, I've got to give thanks. And that's our message for today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for coming into our world. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Lord, we know how much you hate this world of sin. You're a holy God. But Lord, we know that there's no other place you'd rather be than with us, even if it's here. And so we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to not go past halfway down the walkway. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor.